GPA for about 20 years now and uh, we're excited that the meeting is in September instead of in the summer we never get to go we're in the middle of camp season but praise the Lord we've enjoyed the last couple services and looking forward to a few more days here and uh, let me tell you a little bit real quick about our ministry uh, the Wilderness Christian camp is not your average kind of camp it's all backpacking and rock climbing and survival style camps and we're in West Virginia in the middle of nowhere uh, about half of our program is for your average church kids uh, that want high adventure activities and good solid preaching and that kind of thing. Maybe a little bit more than half of our program is, is for troubled boys and probably the thrust of our program and young people come from all over the United States and we've got court ordered kids that come through some 20 day programs and 10 day programs and 13 day programs and it's pretty amazing to watch. Uh, most of those young men um, it's hard to believe we live in this America, but most of those young men have never, ever in their life heard the gospel. Never. Uh, never been in church, not for, your, not for a wedding, not for a funeral, ever. And uh, they get a what to bring list. It says like a sleeping bag and a flashlight and a King James Bible. And uh, most of them, their Bible's still in a wrapper and brand new. And uh, you can't start with the Bible says this, this. You have to start with what the Bible is. And uh, praise the Lord, most of them give their heart to Christ. It's pretty amazing. And um, God's been doing some amazing things. If you're interested in more information, you can find it at thewildernesscamp.com or thebestcampintheworld.com. That's us too. You can remember that. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I'm so grateful for the privilege to be in your house. Lord, I'm thankful that we live in a country where we can just openly walk in here tonight and we can worship you and we can gather together. And Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for the people that chose to be here tonight. Lord, I'm thankful that I have the freedom, but I'm thankful that I get to choose to be here. Lord, I pray that you would give us what we need tonight. God, I pray that this would not just be 
some other Monday night meeting we sat through. But God, I pray that we meet with you and we look for something. God, I pray that you'd feed us from your word. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us all that we need tonight. God, I pray that maybe some folks that may need encouragement, Lord, you give them that tonight. Maybe some folks maybe need conviction, maybe education. Lord, I don't know what, what we need tonight. Lord, each of us needs something. Lord, I pray that you'd give it to us. And Lord, when you speak to our hearts, God, I pray that we'd respond properly, correctly. Lord, I pray that we leave different than we walked in here because we met with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Page 355. 355. Everybody stand. I tell you, the Lord's been good to us thus far, and uh, I, I tell you, last night's message was just 
Uh, it was so right on time, it's hard to express <laughs> how right on time it really was. And uh, it just stirred everybody's heart, I'm sure. And, uh, and I just praise the Lord for it. It, it was just what we needed when we needed it. We praise the Lord for that. Brother Cody's going to preach one more time. He preaches tonight again. And then tomorrow night is Clement Chappelle and, uh, and the Nottingham Four. So the Nottingham Four singing tomorrow night. Clement Chappelle will be uh, preaching. That's correct, isn't it? I'm sure it is. Look at the little program there. Make sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he should know. He should know. He's the music man. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so we're looking forward to a great week. Uh, how was supper? Everybody enjoy supper? Amen. All right. If you missed it, you missed it. <laughs> because uh, uh, it was uh, uh, smoked uh, pulled pork tonight. With, if you know what cowboy baked beans is, uh, if you don't, it's baked beans with every good thing that you should add to it. It's got ground beef and two different, two or three different kind of beans and uh, all the spice. The, it's got barbecue sauce in it. I'm telling you, it's, it's awesome. And then macaroni and cheese, homemade macaroni and cheese. So it was great. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Uh, and uh, you might have said, well, I didn't see you over there. Well, that's because we got ours early. Amen. The, even the pastor gets a perk every once in a while. Amen. So we uh, we were kind of taking the day to rest as much as we could. Had a very busy weekend and starting in the morning, uh, it's nonstop for the rest of the week. So in the morning, breakfast at eight thirty for all who want to be there, uh, and you don't want to miss it. Uh, Helen's working really hard to make sure that everybody eats well for breakfast, and so that's in the morning, uh, and there, and then the classes start at 10 o'clock, and the classes are for everybody. Now, if you are a GPA missionary, you're, you're, you're there, okay? So GPA missionaries, you're there, but anybody uh, else that wants to come, you are more than welcome. We've got room. Uh, we are using the two largest classrooms, I believe, downstairs in the new part of this building, so there's plenty of room for everybody that wants to sit in uh, and be a part of it, and uh, we have had a tremendous amount of work done by uh, Mark Edwards putting uh, the whole program together, and then individually, uh, we've had uh, the teachers working very hard to get ready as well. So we've got a we've got a great lineup of the next three days in the morning. Uh, so we've got a great week. We're really looking forward to every part of it. And then on Friday, there's no classes, but we start at 12 o'clock with the Sherathon, and every, all of the preaching is live, the singing is live, uh, and uh, we'll have the Rochesters here, Ben Rochester. Family, uh, Billy Sampson is coming in on Thursday, and his family will be singing. Uh, and then we have Dr. Edmore will be here to preach, and uh, I, I can't even go through the list of everybody that's here. And then we'll finish out on Friday night. So we're going to have a great week, and we don't want to miss uh, out of all the good things that God's got prepared for us. Amen. Amen. And of course, it's a Baptist church, so we're going to give everybody an opportunity to give. So we're going to ask our ushers to come forward, and we're going to take up our offering tonight. Uh, and everything you give will help in the uh, ministry of the Jubilee this week. And we are really looking forward to a great, great week uh, of Jubilee. And it costs a little bit of money to do this, and so we appreciate your help. Uh, whatever the Lord leads you to give, if he leads you to give 15 cents, then, uh, hey, praise the Lord, it's between you and him. But if he leads you to 
that give 1500 and you give 15 cents, then that's between you and the Lord. Uh, you, uh, you better do as the Lord directs, and then he'll bless you for it. I'm going to ask TJ, if he would, to ask God's blessing on the offering. Lord, we'd like to thank you once again for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord. We thank you for the services we had this weekend, Lord, for the message we heard yesterday, Lord. We thank you for each missionary that's made their way here, Lord. We thank you for their willingness to give of their time, Lord, and their talents, Lord, yes, to, yes, to glorify Lord. you, Lord. We just pray for each one of their works, Lord, that uh, they would see others come to know you, Lord. We just pray for Brother Cody as he stands to preach tonight, Lord. Just give him the words we would need for the hour, Lord. Open our hearts, Lord. Let us be receptive to what you'd have yes. for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's 115. It's 115. Everybody stand. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. All right, choir, coming up in this last verse. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Amen, you may be seated appreciated um, that part. I don't hear a lot up here, believe it or not. <laughs> they have the monitors, but I don't hear much girls going out. They'll give announcements and Allison say, they announced that. And I'm like, really? I didn't hear anything. But I did hear TJ in his prayer um, just being thankful for the missionaries here. And, um, and I just want to say thank you. Um, Allison and I had been kind of talking and um, I'm not getting a lot of feedback from this thing. Let me step back. Uh, Allison and I had been talking, and, um, you know, she doesn't, she has a restricted diet now, we'll just say that, you know, but when it comes to making food over here, um, she says she looks at it as an opportunity to serve you, 
the missionaries, uh, the ones that just <laughs> sacrificed so much to go out and to tell people about Jesus. And, um, and like I said, I'm thankful, and I hope that our church can be a blessing to you this week. And, um, and uh, so often even in our own lives, I mean, missionaries, like I said, they sacrifice so much to go all over the world to tell people about Jesus. And so often it's just, <laughs> we, we make it difficult to tell people across the street about him. Um, and, and if God really did something in our lives and in our heart, why don't we want to tell him about it? I mean, we'll, we'll tell people about the, the football game and, and about anything else that goes on in our lives that really doesn't impact us really much beyond that point. But something that we claim uh, made an eternal difference in our lives for some reason, we just, we, we hold it in. And, um, uh, man, my prayer, for me anyway, is to just to be able to tell people about Jesus, to, to be a living testimony for him, have boldness, uh, to be able to, to share Christ in love. And so I'm just thankful for the missionaries here today. And uh, I pray that this week is a blessing to you. And uh, like I said, he prayed that. We had already kind of thought about singing this song. So, um, uh, I just pray that it's a blessing to you. And um, hey, we got all dressed up. We're here on a Monday night. Why don't we enjoy being in the presence of God today and thank Him for His goodness to us, what He's done for us. And just and, and we can surely take a couple hours here tonight just to worship Him and to thank Him for what He's done. Uh, this song says, "My Jesus."
choose to trust him now he will make a way somehow so just believe and you will see he's never failed me he's never left me not one time have I cried out and my voice he has not heard never failed me and he won't start today he will make a way he's never failed me that is greater than all my fear. Don't you enjoy the choir? Amen. We get spoiled around here, <laughs> we, uh, but we got to get that away. And you know, we also get spoiled because we have so many, uh, and you were talking about that last night. You weren't off base at all uh, when you were talking about if you don't want to sing in the choir, you don't need to sing special. The thing is, though, around here at Nottingham, everybody wants to sing in the choir, so. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and they always do a great job, but then they do a great job on their own, too. And uh, we were going to have Ruby and Emma singing tonight, and Ruby's not feeling well, so please remember her in prayer, but Emma's still here, and uh, she looks pretty good, I don't know. She, we'll see if she can sing tonight, okay? Y'all really pray for her, because you know she struggles, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, she was practicing to sound like an angel in here. Y'all pray for her while she sings.
tell you that was just amazing I appreciate that now I want to I want to say something that Michael says a lot and emphasize it a little bit um, I, I know I'm you know they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks well I'm certainly not a puppy I'll tell you that <laughs> but um, 
years ago, I used to always, because my youth director encouraged me to, uh, to take notes, you know, when the preachers were preaching. I used to do that all the time. But somewhere along the line, when I got to the place, I guess, where almost every service that I was in, I was the one doing the preaching, uh, I kind of kind of let that go. Uh, uh, but uh, not long ago, uh, I, I got my wife actually gave me this special notebook to kind of keep with me, and I started recording the sermons that I'm hearing because I hear a lot more sermons than I used to. Uh, I get to hear Michael preach, and I get to hear others preach, and so I started taking notes. And let me tell you something. Uh, it was worth it just for last night to have the notes that I was able to jot down last night. Now, I will tell you, the handwriting looks pretty rough because I was praising the Lord a little bit along the way uh, and shouting a few amens, but I did get uh, a fair amount of it recorded in my notebook, and I appreciate it. And you say, well, we can always pull it up on the archives and see it. That's not the same. If you make those notes, it means so much more. It stays with you a lot better. So I encourage you, I encourage you, I encourage you to do that. Uh, and then there's another thing, too. I told you that uh, out, in, uh, out in the main foyer over here, if you go out the double doors and turn to the left, go down to the main foyer, you can see the big banner there, and that's there so we can take pictures. And Tuesday night and Thursday night, that's tomorrow night and Thursday night, Amy's going to be here with her camera a little bit before the service, and then she'll be around after the service. If you want to get some pictures made there with a high-resolution camera, and then she can send you the pictures any way you want it. She can send it in a Dropbox, which I don't have any idea what that is, but that, but you, she can do that for you. Uh, she can also send it to your email. She can send it to your phone, however you want it. She can get it to you, uh, and so you can have a high-resolution picture in front of the banner there uh, and uh, that, and sort of a remembrance of our time together and I do want to get a picture of all the missionaries uh, individually and collectively before the week is over uh, and uh, so uh, we'll probably have, uh, try to do that tomorrow night uh, for I think we'll have most all of our missionaries will be in by tomorrow night so we're looking forward to that all right hey have we heard some good preaching this week so far? Amen. I'll tell you, Brother Cody has been uh, blessing our hearts and stomping on our toes. And come on and do it again tonight, my brother. Come and preach for us. If you love the Lord, say amen. 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 That's getting better. Amen. Getting better. It is a privilege to be back with you tonight, and I pray the Lord helps us. We've already been encouraged tonight in the singing and the congregational worship and then the choir singing and then as well with the special music. And I'm not into proselyting, but I need some more singers at the church. And so uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but y'all are blessed with some singing. Uh, the ability to sing and the gift to sing and the ministry of music is a blessing. And we appreciate God stirring our hearts to worship tonight already and the beginning of the service towards singing. And, and boy, ain't it just good sometimes to just plug in and listen to God sing to our hearts and uh, in the songs and in the worship as God ministers to us. And I do thank you for allowing us to be here. This will probably be the last time uh, I get to preach to many of you, so I'm going to try to be a blessing to you and preach to you what the Lord has on our hearts tonight. And uh, boy, uh, are grateful. We're, we're so excited to be here. It's been such a blessing. And uh, thank the Lord for us uh, allowing us to be here and cross paths with some of you all. And 
And there I go talking northern, you all, if y'all help me now. And uh, so anyhow, I stopped by the bait shop today over in the northeast, and I got to talk fishing with a fella in a bait shop, and that was a blessing. And so we're just thankful for all these things that God's doing in our hearts here, and meeting new friends and fellowship, and we do have a camp meeting at the end of March if any of you'd like to come south. And uh, y'all more than welcome to come. We'll help you out on your rooms, and we'll have preaching through that week. And if sometime or another you want to get together and come down there, y'all more than welcome to come and uh, be a part of that. Let's look in Ruth chapter 4 tonight, Ruth chapter number 4. And uh, I'm going to try to just scan through the uh, book of Ruth tonight and uh, just kind of plug in where the Lord wants us to stop at and uh, listen to Him tonight. And maybe it'll be a blessing to you. I tell you, you can't go wrong with the book of Ruth, can you? Amen. It's become sweet to my heart. And uh, our folks, we ended up preaching six or seven weeks out of the book of Ruth uh, to our folks. And then you get out of it and you think you've, you've kind of touched it. And then you turn around and read right back through it again. And, and there it is, new stuff blooming in your heart. And uh, boy, it just gets big on you all over again. And you... You want to go back and preach it one more time to them and you wonder if they can take it again. You know, they, they're looking at you and wondering if you read any other book of the Bible. And uh, so I preached out of Luke 15 about eight weeks and, and uh, I, you know what the folks is looking at, but they don't even ask when, when we get up. They're just, they're just turning to Luke 15. And I, I enjoy preaching in text. I love walling around in the text and letting God work out what's in it already. Sometimes we scan through the Bible real quick and and we're often overlooking things, and I pray that's not how we all are, but that's what I'm guilty of a bunch of times. But, uh, Ruth chapter 4, let's stand together. You stretch your legs tonight. And uh, I know some of you have been eating that fine meal before church, and uh, you need to let it, let it uh, breathe a little bit and talk to you. Amen? And uh, I know that you got some more preaching coming in this week, and we're going to let the big dogs eat come tomorrow night. They're going to preach to us, and we're going to have a good time. Amen? And then... End of the week, you got Brother Ronnie and Brother Joe coming in, two of my, my favorites. Brother Ronnie, uh, he ordained, helped ordain us and preached our ordination council and was such a blessing to us. And, and we're thankful for him. Book of Ruth, chapter number four. I'm going to read one verse to you tonight. And we're going to try to scan through this book tonight together. Ruth, chapter number four. <clears throat> the Bible says, now this was the manner. <clears throat> Y'all pray for me. I got something in my throat. I, I smoked for about 10 years and I quit and I just started back and it's all there again. And, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I've been wanting to do that for so long. I just ain't never had the opportunity. <laughs> oh me, Lord help us. Pray for us. I seen some tobacco hanging on the way over here and I said, Paige, I don't think it's a sin if it's still hanging to just light the barn on fire. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> Ruth chapter number four, y'all pray for us tonight. Ruth chapter number four. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm all things a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was the testimony in Israel. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we thank you for this time of preaching. God, we thank you for this purpose. God, we thank you for the power. And Lord, I pray tonight, God, that you'd help us. God, you'd instruct us and encourage us in the Word of God. Lord, I pray that the Word would go forth on good ground. Lord, you'd sow the seed of the Word of God in the hearts of people tonight. It might be profitable for days ahead. And God, it might be fruitful in days ahead as well. Now, God, I am weary in my own flesh and weak in my own flesh. God, I can do nothing tonight. 
Lord, I am quick to confess it, but God, I'm glad that the power don't reside in me. Lord, it don't reside in my ability, but God, it is in the preached Word of God. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us tonight, that you'd get glory out of your Word. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You could be seated tonight. Looking at the book of Ruth in chapter number 4, I believe the whole book in itself can be laid over with that simple word in chapter number 4. In verse number 7 it says, Now this was a truth. This was, a, uh, this was a, a the manner in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for a man to confirm all things. A man plucked off a shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was, this was a testimony in Israel. I want to preach tonight on a testimony, having a good testimony. And aren't you glad tonight you got one? And if you don't have one tonight, you can have one. You can have a testimony of God's good salvation, that His good grace is sufficient and mighty to save, that it does not matter where you come from, God does not cast any man out. I believe, and I will not be moved on this thought, that God will save whosoever will. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not arguing that tonight. That's the Bible, and I'm thankful for it. We're in a missions thought and emphasis this week, and while we're passing on missionaries, I want to personally say thank you. Missionaries are some of my heroes. I got friends all over the world tonight on the mission field. They're heroes. It's not what everybody promotes to be heroes in this world. You guys are some big time soldiers for the cross and we ought to give God some glory that he's still calling folks to the foreign field. Stateside and foreign field. Thank God for that. But this testimony tonight, anybody in the Bible who you've ever emphasized and you've ever heard preach, David, we heard his testimony last night. You heard the testimony of Moses and of Noah, Elijah and Elisha. You've heard the three Hebrew boys dancing in the fire. And there was one in the fire as of the fourth, uh, the fourth man, as of the Son of God, dancing right there with them. Amen. Ain't you glad for a testimony? Maybe a mama or a daddy tonight who's had a testimony of God walking into their heart and changing their life, saving their soul. Aren't you glad for a testimony? But a testimony is not something that you just want to hear about. It's something that you want to partake in. Amen. I don't want to hear about good food. I want to sink my teeth in it. Say amen. Heard about crab cakes for two or three days and we fell head first into Woody's over in, in Northeast uh, uh, today. I'm tired of hearing about it. Let me put my teeth in it, amen. And uh, we thank God for a testimony tonight. Do you have a testimony? Thank God for it tonight. We ought to all clear out ground, rejoice in the Lord, the Bible says. And again I say rejoice, rejoice evermore in the Lord because God has seen fit to come from glory and intervene in our lives tonight. It is, this book of Ruth is a wonderful book. I believe it's summed up with just that one word, a testimony. You can look at the characters in the book of Ruth if you want to label them that way. I, I try to stay away from that terminology because I don't want to read the Bible as if it's just some novel. This is God's Word. Amen? So I would say the persons represented in this, the testimonies 
in the book of Ruth from Naomi to Orpah to Elimelech and to Malon, Chilion, to Boaz. All these folks have testimonies inside uh, this book. And it is summarized, it is seen inside this Bible. In chapter number one, you can see that uh, Ruth had a testimony. And we'll look and emphasize two people being Boaz and Ruth tonight. Now there's more in the picture. There's a broader spectrum tonight. But just for the sake of time, we're not going to go through it all. We might touch on one or two others. But looking at Ruth and looking at Boaz tonight, uh, there is a testimony starting in chapter number one. There's a testimony testimony of leaving. Now, two people's got testimonies of leaving in chapter number one. We've got Elimelech, we've got Malon, Chilion, we've got Naomi going from Bethlehem, Judah. They've left the house of bread and praise. They've gone down to Moab. We know according to Psalms, Moab is our wash pot. That's a filthy bath water. I don't know if y'all ought to be familiar with it, with the uh, culture around here, how folks has uh, washed their clothes in a wash pot and when they get done with it, it's just nothing but filth, all the wicked all the dirtiness that come off the cloud. That's what he said Moab is. Now, these children of God, these folks that lived in the house of bread and praise have now left and went down to Moab. I want to tell you tonight, it's not worth leaving the house of God. There's a famine in Bethlehem, Judah, but a famine in God's land is way better than a fruitful time in the foreign land. Amen. We ought to stay at God's house. Sometimes it does. Listen to me. Sometimes it is in church that you're church folk. I'm a, I'm a pastor myself. I know we go through dry seasons at church. There not, may not be folks getting saved every Sunday. We have that. We're part of a, a society, a culture. We're part of the flesh. Sometimes we come and we got sin in our life and God don't speak to our hearts the way it should. And then you want to blame the preacher for it. Preacher just wasn't on it. Well, maybe it wasn't always the preacher's fault. You ever had that problem, brother? You've been praying, studied, you searched God, prayed, sought the Lord. You get up here, you preach your guts out, and everybody's like, well, I just missed it today. Am I by myself? It may not have been him, it might be you. And that famine, they go through dry spells in our, in our country. We go through dry spells in our homes and in our churches, but it's not worth leaving. Not worth leaving Bethlehem, Judah to go to Moab. There's nothing good down there. That far country, that wicked culture, that you know that they 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 served false gods. They was uh, uh, they was serving that god of Chemosh and uh, or however you pronounce that. I'm from South Mississippi. Y'all pray for me. I really did have struggling in English. They moved that girl that was making good and good grades from away from me, and I had to pass it all on my own. And uh, <laughs> and uh, boy, I struggled. But uh, they had Baal down there in Moab, and they was worshiping these false gods. They have left the truth of Jehovah God. They have left the house of bread and praise, and they've went down to this filthy bathwater to be a partaker of that place. Now help us tonight, Lord. We don't need to go to Moab, do we? It's a testimony of leaving, but I'm not emphasizing this tonight of them leaving. We just see that. But there's one that left Moab. This is what I want to see. There's one who's left Moab, and she's come from the, that filthy wash pot. Now she is going to the house of bread and praise. This is where we all ought to relate to, though many of us is on the other side of the spectrum. We are leaving the house of bread and praise, going to Moab, but yet this ought to be our testimony. 
testimony tonight that we have left Moab and we've went to Bethlehem, Judah. We have a testimony of leaving tonight at all costs and for whatever it might cost, I'm leaving Moab. I'm done with that place. We ought to uh, forsake the world and follow Christ tonight. We ought to be followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus tonight. Be a disciple, somebody who loves God, studies this word, uh, going to the house of Brit. She's left. It's a testimony of leaving. She's left her family. Notice that she's married into this family of these, uh, uh, these Bethlehemites. They've, uh, she's married into these boys, uh, Malon and Chilion and, and uh, Ethrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And she's married into them. She's left her mom and dad uh, and she's married into this family. But yet both uh, those boys die. Elimelech dies. Uh, he dies there in Moab. It's going to cost you when you leave the house of God. It's going to cost you. You hearing me now? You'll notice later in the passage how Naomi comes back and she's not only, she's changed her name to Mara, uh, that word bitter, she's become bitter. Don't get bitter when you come back to Bethlehem. You've lost everything in the world, but you knew what you was doing when you left. A lot of folks come back to God's house bitter after they leave the house of bread and praise, after they leave good Bible preaching, good worship, good prayer time, good soul. When you leave and you come back mad because your children never come back, your husband never come back, don't get bitter. We told you from the get-go, if you leave the house of God, it's just going to cost you. Sin's going to take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. That's kind of what the saying says sometimes. And so that is truth. We've told you. Don't leave. But this testimony of leaving, when we see Ruth tonight, she's left her family. She's left her friends. She has a sister-in-law named Orpah, close to Oprah, but a little bit different. And uh, she's still in Moab too, amen? We're peddling now, y'all help me. Orpah is still in Moab. She stayed behind. She kissed Naomi, uh, but Ruth clave unto her. Uh, that... If you look at that terminology, that word clave, uh, we'd looking from the outside appearance, we'd see a kiss as more affectionate. But this word clave is the same thing in Genesis when a, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. It's the same word that that means, becoming one flesh. And you'll notice what she says later in chapter 1. Where you go, I'll go. Where you die, I'll die. Your God shall be my God. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. All these things. Uh, what had happened in Moab, was that there was enough God still left inside Naomi's heart for her to remember how God had fed them down in Bethlehem, Judah. There was enough of God still left inside of her heart that she was inclining her ear to what was going on in Bethlehem, Judah. And she had heard how God had visited his people. And she said, you know what, I'm just going, I have nothing left in this world. I'm going back. And Naomi said, see, she packed her bag. She started out. The girl started with her. One said, I'm going back to Moab. The other says, I'm going right with you. She had heard enough about God from her mother-in-law to make her want to go see the God of Bethlehem, Judah, the God of all glory. She said, I want to see him. I want to know him. If he's as good as you say he is, I want to know him. We heard about it already. Why can't we just tell her now? If we got salvation, what salvation is in a biblical sense, why can't we tell our neighbors? 
Why can't we witness to the neighbor across the street? We ought to be somebody that's always got the word of praise on our lips tonight. It is a testimony of leaving family, friends. She's left false gods. Uh, she's left uh, uh, that far country. This is a picture of her coming out and following God. This is getting close to a, a picture of redemption. Uh, you're seeing all these things happen. And we come to this chapter number one. She is a, given a testimony of leaving. She's leaving Moab. But chapter number two, she's come into Bethlehem, Judah. And we see a chapter of her testimony here of her living. Living. I want to say this. Your testimony tonight and my testimony tonight is not built at one specific moment. No, it could be tore down by one terrible mistake. It takes a lifetime to build a testimony. And it comes from everyday living. Living by faith and Jesus above. Everyday living. Being faithful in the things of God when you wake up in the morning time, your prayer, your Bible study, you're seeking the Lord first before all the things of your day. It's a testimony of living. And this is how this testimony was built up to conclude in chapter number 4, verse number 7, where Boaz and that near kinsman would take and exchange that shoe and give it to Ruth. Testimony of living. She is living day by day. Notice what's happening. Naomi said in chapter number 2, she had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Boy, ain't that, don't that just stir your soul right there? Boaz, we know, is a picture of the Lord Jesus. Ruth said unto her, let me now go to the field. She had a testimony of living when all seemed lost. Everything seemed to be lost. She had nothing. Are you listening to me? She was a stranger in Bethlehem. Her husband had died. She had left everything she had known behind. But yet she got to Bethlehem, Judah, and she knew that she, knew that she still had to live. And there wasn't no husband to provide for. There wasn't nobody but, but Naomi. There wasn't nobody but Ruth could do what she needed to be done. So many of us oftentimes think we've lost everything and there's no reason worth living. Boy, I'm glad Ruth didn't stop right here. Aren't you glad? I, I bet we get to chapter number 4, verse number 7, and Ruth's leaping for joy that she didn't stay in Moab first off. There's a rewarding day in heaven's, in heaven's eternal world when we get before Jesus and we're rewarded for all those faithful things that we did and we got crowns and we get to give them back to Him. She's mindful of those things that she's living in, Jerusalem, in, in Judah, Bethlehem, Judah, and she's living. She knows that she's got to have a testimony of living when all seems lost. What's your testimony tonight when the world comes against you? When it seems there's nothing to live for? I would go into some detail tonight, but I know that we're probably live stream and I got folks back home watching. I got news today of some things in my own home real close to my own heart tonight inside of our church. Of, of folks that is going through a hard time and their word right now is that they don't think that they can make it through it. There's no sense in living. Are you hearing me? There's folks like this every day that we come in contact with. 
But if we'll see past today and see the morrow, we'd understand that joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for a season. It may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. She was living when all seemed lost. She is living in Bethlehem. She had already took a step up. All seemed lost. She was living. And she is, she is faithful. Her testimony in living. She had a testimony in laboring. She said, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And Naomi said unto her, go, my daughter. She went unto the field and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. She knew she had to labor, but she had no clue what her labor would entail. That little word hap right there, if you've studied your Bible, you've been around Bible preaching and teaching at any length of time, you know it's the providence of God. And I don't know about you, but I believe in the providential hand of God, don't you? Uh, you don't have to be a Calvinist to believe in providence. You can't believe in providence, you don't believe God. That's how he works providentially in our life. Listen to what's going on right here. This is Ruth. She's living. I got a testimony of living when all seems lost. She's laboring, not understanding what's fixing to happen. She's just going to get something to eat, but she don't realize she's fixing to meet the man who's going to feed her for the rest of her life. And it says, the Bible says, and her hap was to light on the part of the field that belonged unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, in that society, the fields was cut out in one big field, and each field had been separated by the landowner, not knowing the boundaries, not knowing anything but the corners, and that law of the gleaner, that stranger in the land for the widows and for the strangers, they could come glean in the field, and they could glean in the corners. Leviticus 19 tells them uh, to take the field, but don't take it holy, leaves some for the corners and boy uh, Ruth's out there and she's gleaning in the corner of that field and her hab, the providence of God had brought her to just the right place with just the right man what I'm telling you tonight is you showed up in the field one time. It's called the church house. You showed up in the field not knowing what you were doing, not understanding everything that was going on. You did not wake up that morning thinking, I'm going to meet the Lord. You did not wake up that morning thinking, I'm going to get saved. If it worked like anybody else I've ever known, you showed up at church one day and the Holy Ghost of God stirred your soul. You fell right in the right field with the right man at the right time and the providential hand of God showed up and provided for you what nobody else would give you. And that's the salvation of God tonight. The providential hand of God. Now the corners she's gleaning in the corners. What I love about the law of the gleaner and the corners of the field is that they're just charged to give the corner. There's no requirement on how big the corner is. That's strictly up to the owner. That's strictly up to the man that owns the field. What she found was, what I'm telling you is it was just, it was just considering how much grace was in his heart. And I don't know if, if Ruth went to that field because those corners was bigger, but I like to have an imagination. Amen? I still play with army men. Say amen, somebody. You got kids, you'll play with them too. Amen. We, we passed the Barbie doll stage though. Amen. We can't step down that far. 
It is this testimony she's gleaning in these corners. I don't know. I don't know if she looked at the corner and said, boy, these corners are bigger than any other corners of the field. There's more room for me to glean. There's more barley for me to glean. I'm going to go out here. And it's just like the grace of God. His corners is big enough for all the world to get into. That's why we send missionaries to Africa, South America, Central America, Canada, Australia. We even send missionaries down south and up north, amen? It's a big enough corner for everybody to get in who'll glean. Listen to me, it's a testimony of living when all seemed lost. It's a testimony of laboring, not knowing where you're going to land at. It's a testimony of looking that Ruth had tonight. She said, let me now go to the field. She's laboring and glean ears of corn. And now she's looking in whose sight I shall find grace. It, it's no, uh, it's no uh, happenstance. It's the providence of God that allowed her to find herself in the, in the part of the field that belonged to Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. Boaz shows up on the field. He says, how's it going, guys? He greets them in the name of the Lord. Wouldn't you like to come to your job like that? Amen. Thank God. Good godly boss. You ought to thank God for him. Some folks won't even let you listen to preaching on their job. They'll run you off. Amen. I'll tell you about it later. And it's this, uh, she's found uh, Boaz has served. He's come up there and he's beginning to look at the servants and he asked, he said, whose damsel is this? Boaz, not, not knowing, Ruth don't know a lick of nothing that's going on right now. She don't know a lick of nothing that's going on. She's just gleaning and living, just gleaning and living, laboring, living, looking. And Boaz, she catches Boaz, his eyes first. She didn't look and see him, but he looked and saw her. Amen. You know that you wasn't looking for God when he found you? But he saw me. He saw me and he loved me right where I was at. This is, I mean, this is wonderful, ain't it? If it ain't helping you, it's helping me. Amen. I, I'm a pastor. I only get to preach one thing once a week. I can't come back and preach it. You know, evangelists, they're blessed. They can preach the same thing 16 times all year in different places. I mean, they ain't got an outline. I mean, I preach one thing one week and I'm like, I can't preach it next week. So I got to wait two years until somebody calls me to preach. And then I come up here and I got to find my outline again. And so this was helping me all over. She wasn't looking for him. He saw her first. He inquired of her first. He's, them servants said, this is that Moabitish day that came back with Naomi from, from Moab. This is her. This is, and she's come back and she's, she's gleaning in this field. There's a testimony of living when all seems lost, when laboring goes unseen, the labor goes unseen in your own eyes when you're looking for him. All these is living. All these testimonies tonight, all your testimony can be seen in this portrait. This is a testimony of living not only in all, when all seems lost and laboring, but also in chapter number two, it's a testimony of living in the goodness of Boaz, in the grace of Boaz, and in the glory of Boaz. I'm telling you, he was looking for her. He got to inquire of her. Chapter two, it goes on to tell us. In chapter number two, it says that Boaz said unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to another field. 
neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged these young men? She's living underneath the goodness of Boaz. He's charged those young men, don't touch her, don't mess with her. I know she's from Moab. I know you don't like her, but there's something about her that I like. Don't touch her. He said, if you get thirsty, you go down there and drink water that you didn't even draw the water from. She's living in the goodness of Boaz, in the goodness of God. Listen to me tonight. You understand that? That's what you and I are living in tonight. We're living in the goodness of God. We're living underneath the grace of God. We're living in the glory of God. Are you understanding all these things? Christ in you, the hope of glory. All these things tonight. She's living in the the goodness of the Lord. She's living in the grace of the Lord. She says it in chapter number 2, verse number 10. Why have I found grace in thine eyes? That ought to stir us tonight. That ought to be every Christian's heart. Why have I found grace in thine eyes? He's living in the grace of God. And it goes on, living in the glory of it. She's sat at his table and began to eat with him one time. And she sat at the table, and this day she had to leave. But later on in the book of Ruth, she'll sit at that table and she'll never walk away. You understanding that tonight? One day we'll sit down at heaven's table and we'll eat that marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll never leave. Will always be in his presence. The glory of God. I love this deal tonight in chapter number two, and I'm trying to get through chapter number two uh, tonight, but there's so much goodness here. So much goodness. The glory. He said in verse 15, She has risen up to glean. Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may. Gleam them and rebuke her not. We all emphasize those handfuls on purpose, but there was a handful of purpose. Those gleaners would go through and they'd cut that barley and they'd leave it in the field and all she had to do was come pick it up. There was somebody laboring in front of her. There was somebody going in front of her. And there was somebody doing what she did not have to do and she was just able to glean. The handfuls of purpose in our life. You know what what was going on here? As Boaz, he was wooing her. You understand this? You ever remember courting your wife? Amen. We got enough folks in today's society trying to court everybody else's wife. Amen, you help me now. That's still a sin. You keep your eyes on your own lady. Ladies, keep your eyes on your own husband. Everybody all right right here? Remember when me and my wife was dating and, and talking, uh, Brother Gary, the first time we ever went to eat Mexican, there was one red light in the little town we went to eat. You know what I did? I ran slapped through that red light. I was looking at her, and I say, boy, she sure is pretty. <laughs> what? And she's got glasses on, so you know why she married me now. She can't see real good. <laughs> Thank God. Amen. You, you remember wooing and talking and courting your wife and how wonderful, this is what's going, the romance of Ruth. Young girls, if you want to find the love story in the Bible, 
that you could look for a man in and look in the book of Ruth. This is wonderful. I mean, this beats lifetime all day long. Hallmark love, Christmas stories. It beats the fire out of it. I know where it gets television. I don't know nothing about that, brother. He's leaving those handfuls of purpose. The grace upon grace upon grace. The glory of God. The goodness of God right there. But it's handfuls of purpose. Handfuls of, and the purpose is that Boaz is not in the field. He is from a long distance off, but he knows where Ruth is. And what that handful of purpose is doing is just telling Ruth, I know exactly where you're at right now. He's telling Ruth, he's saying, I know exactly what you need right now. And a handful of purpose. Boy, has there ever been a time in your life when you just needed God to speak to you and he's left you a little handful of purpose? A little handful of purpose. I remember, listen to me, y'all see the, little, the, the vehicle we're driving. I thank God for it tonight. I want to tell you a little bit about that. It's a little handful of purpose, Brother Gary. Me and my wife drove a minivan, a white stallion, amen, sliding doors, laying stow-and-go seats in the back. You could put a four-by-eight four sheet of plywood in there, and I'm talking about you could shoot deer out of it, sliding door friendly. Nobody ever, the game warden never checks minivans. Stow and go seat on one side, sliding door on the other side, say when right there out the, mm, a little bit side, 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 side. All right, there, go get it. The only, only problem is you got to drag it to the road. You can't go off road with it. When I sold it, I told him it was on road miles only. And they was like, well, it's a minivan. I said, don't ask questions. <laughs> but it got time for us to get another vehicle. The transmission started slipping. My wife wanted another vehicle, and, and we was looking, and uh, she said, I'd, I'd sure like to have one of them Yukons, and I said, well, you know, I've got this, you know, I'm daddy, I'm the husband, I'm the provider. We went to look at them things, I said, all right, how much is that Yukon right there? He said, it's 89, I said, I'll see you later. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just got to tell them no, Amen. You know, we was looking at it, and I'm, I'm not greedy. Listen to me. I tell you, all, I, I care less about money than any person you'll probably ever meet. But in the ministry, you're not just going to make hand over foot. I'm not. Joel Osteen may. I'm not. I mean, I could sell a heretical book, too, and everybody buy it millions, too, and best life nation. But we got to praying about it. I said, look, Shug, we can't, we can't afford that. We can't have that. I, we'll, we'll pray about it. We'll see what the Lord does. And we'll find a vehicle coming down the road that we can afford to be in our price range. And, and so we prayed about it. And God took it away from us. We left it alone. About a month and a half passes. I've had one family left the church. Um, you know how it is, Brother Gary. Folks leave. No good reason. They just, I'm, uh, they leave. They want to point everything on the preacher and Come to find out they're living a double lie. Anyways, not, long story short, I was hurt. One of the first people to join the church when I got there. and It kind of hurt my heart. And, and then another lady called the next day and she said, I need to meet with you and your wife at the church about 1230. And I said, man, here we go. When it rains, it pours. And uh, she met us up there and my wife was expecting our last child. And she looked at my wife. She said, are you okay? I said, yes, ma'am. 
She said, well, let's sit down. I want to talk to you. She had an envelope in her hand, and the preacher thinking, you know, this is probably a list of how sorry of a pastor I am. You know, I'm probably just as terrible as I ever saw. You know, just tell me how it is. And uh, she sat down and she said, I've been praying for about two months now. The Lord put this on my heart about a month and a half ago. And she pulled out the title to that 2019 Yukon XL. $30,000 miles on it, loaded out, Denali package, four-wheel drive, say amen. I mean, the very vehicle that my wife had wanted. She just hands us the title, signs the back of it, gives us the keys. Walks away from it, and I'm thinking, what is this? And right about this time, I'm studying about those handfuls of purpose, and it is a big handful. And it's just the Holy Ghost of God saying, I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly what you need, son. And here it is. And listen to me, it don't always work like that. Listen to some of my best times where I get to, I get to fellowship with the God of heaven is when I get up on Sunday mornings and I've been praying and I've been studying and I've been seeking the Lord for my flock and for the children of God that I might be beneficial and instead of a hindrance. And I get up and there's inside my little study, I got a security camera and I watch the parking lot as folks is coming in and there's family after family that would get out and there's these little children coming with them and they're coming in and they're sitting down and every time somebody gets out the car I can't help but see just another handful of purpose so why are to go you need to understand something tonight church you are a handful of purpose every time you come in the doors God begins to work in the heart of the preacher that he knows exactly what he's going through exactly what he needs he is helping his people with handfuls of purpose it's a testimony in living. She could have never experienced a handful of purpose had God not seen her living the life that she should have been living. Everybody wants handouts from God, but they're too scared to labor in the field. You're not going to glean in a field if you're not in the field. I know we're not in the South, and there's a lot of things I want to say right there, but I'm not... And I'm not at too much liberty to say, but we got a lot of folks that's on handouts. They're really, really looking for the church to give them everything they got. And they're getting mad at the church tonight because we don't pay every bill they got. They're not laboring in the field. They're not longing for the Lord Jesus. They're not studying. They're not seeking God. They're not caring. But they want a handout. They want a handful of purpose. Get in the field, you'll find something. Get in the field, you'll find it. Boaz was speaking love language to Ruth. Boy, I'm telling you tonight, the Lord is interested in you and he's interested in me. He loves you. I know exactly what you need, Ruth. I know exactly where you... I know the corners that you're going to be in. Matter of fact, if we'd be honest... I think she had got out the corners. Gleaners don't glean in the corners. God had brought her right to the crop of the field. Now, I've passed a couple cornfields coming to church, and I've noticed the outside rows are the ones that are kind of smaller. They're they're not as fruitful as the ones on the inside of the field. What I'm telling you is God's brought you to a lot better place. There's a testimony of leaving Moab. There's a testimony of living in Bethlehem, Judah. There's a testimony of loving in chapter number 3. God put their hearts together. There's nothing crazy going on in chapter number 3 when she comes in there and he's laying in that threshing floor 
And it would be common, listen to me, it would be common for a lifestyle of lasciviousness and wickedness at that threshing floor, but not in Boaz's field and not with Ruth. They are both highly respectable people. She come into that threshing floor and, and he said, who is that? Who are you? And she said, I'm Ruth the Moabitess and let me abide underneath your wings. That's that prayer shawl we learned about in Israel. Uh, when I got to preach this at my church, I got my prayer shawl out and I preached on abiding underneath his wings and I got my little family up there and all those little corners, the promises of God and the commandments of God, all those things she was abiding under. You realize that she left Moab to abide underneath the wings and the law of the Lord? She said, let me abide underneath your wings. She wasn't dressed to attract his lust. She was dressed to motivate for his love. We'd all learn from that. A testimony of love in chapter number three. Chapter number four is really what I'm going to get to tonight. I want to read this to you. It's a testimony of leaving in chapter number one. A testimony of living in chapter number two. A testimony of loving in chapter number three. But it's a testimony that lingers in chapter number four. Testimony that lingers in chapter number four. How many of you ever heard Brother Brian McBride preach? Oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. He preaches what you're going to do with that old shoe. Right out of Ruth chapter number four, verse number seven, pictures the Bible. And I would try to preach it, but I ain't that, I ain't that crazy, brother. I mean, he's... And he preaches, if you've got time and want to listen to preaching this week, go listen to Brian McBride preach what you're going to do with that old shoe. Ruth chapter number four, verse number seven. Pictures the Bible there, and it's a lingering testimony in that shoe. He said every time she got down in the press, she'd look at that old shoe and realize she was redeemed. Redeemed, uh, considering that law of redemption right there in chapter number four, as mentioned eight times, that's the new beginnings. There's a, there's a redeeming, but it's, it's considering the law of redeeming. But it's to redeem that consideration, that conversation with Ruth being redeemed and mentioned eight times. And that's that, law, that's that new beginnings number. That's that Bible number, new beginnings. And she had a new beginning. She had been redeemed. And I, I got a new beginning too when I got redeemed. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. I was born into the family of God. I, I was born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God that lives and abides forever. My name's sealed in the Lamb's Book of Life by the blood of the Lamb. It's a testimony that's lingering here, not just with that shoe, but if you read the end of chapter number four, listen to me now. I want to say this, and I believe this is where the Lord wants me to be at, and I'm not going to be long. You're listening to me. Chapter number four, she has been redeemed. She's been bought. That dearer kinsman, that old man that would not redeem her, uh, that Old Testament that could not redeem her, the new man, the New Testament, Christ does redeem her. He does buy her with a purchase her with a price. He is uh, uh, now uh, he's now married to Ruth. We're the bride, Amen. I've been bought. I've been, I've been born into the family of God. I've been bought in. I've been adopted in. I'm married in. I'm in. Amen. Are you? Amen. He's married her. And it comes down to this passage in chapter number four. It's a testimony of lingering. So Boaz in verse number 13 took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he, gave, when he went on, in unto her, the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. 
And it goes on talking about these blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nurture of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law which loveth thee which is better to thee than seven sons has borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name saying, There is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed, and his fa- he's the father of Jesse, and he's the father of David. This testimony lingers. It goes all the way over to the New Testament, chap- chapter number 1 of Matthew, and the conclusion of this testimony ends at a man named Jesus. Listen to me. We see the testimony of what God has done in her, And she knew, she knew we was talking about the hand of God being so real earlier in the supper table and it's just God when he does things. And in Naomi's life and Ruth's life, it was just God that did this. He gave her a husband, he gave her a son, and what if she could testify, she'd say, boy, the Lord's been so good to me. I came from Moab. I was a nothing and a nobody. Does it sound familiar? I was a nothing and a nobody. I had no hope. My husband died there. I was buried, married to a dead man. Sounds like us and Adam. He, she said, but boy, I'd heard about Jesus. I'd heard about the Lord down in Bethlehem, Judah. And I just had to find out if he was just as good as he is made out to be. And I got down there, was gleaning in the field, and find out the providence of God put me right in the right place at the right time that I'd meet Boaz. That sounds like us in church on a Sunday morning. We got saved Wednesday night. Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. God will save you whatever day it's on. Amen. That's God. It said the providence. She said, God brought me. I met Boaz. I married Boaz. And now I got a son. God's just been so good to me. And would I just be honest with you tonight? It's what she'd say. Every time I get down and out, I pull out my old shoe and I remember I'm redeemed. That's just like you and I tonight. Every time we get tore up when the devil gets up on us, says you're not really saved. You're not really going to heaven. You can write out the Bible that says that whosoever will shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can write out if we fall in a sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins. Uh, he's all these things and you can pull out that old shoe and be mindful of what God's done. But she could say all day long look what God's done in me. But she never knows. She never knows. She never does know the fullness of what God's going to do through her. And tonight I tell you We could shout all day long about what God's done in us and for us. But only heaven's going to reveal what God's done through us. Being dead, yet now he speaks. Talked about your old preacher grandpa and preacher daddy. Their testimony still lingering. There's no telling with the GPA all those things that were started in your family, what God's going to do through your ministry, your family's ministry. Tonight we know what he's done up to thus far, but there's no telling what he's going to do in the days ahead. And the wonderful thing is, as she come to Bethlehem, Judah, you know what the hope for any Bethlehem girl was? Any, any woman is the Messiah, right? That the Messiah would come through her womb. 
She'd give birth to the Messiah, Jesus. He's prophesied he's coming. And I don't know, I don't know, I told you I like to use my imagination. And you get mad at me if you want to, that's fine. You know, you can be, you can be mad at yourself. Everybody's mad at something sometimes. I get a good reason anyhow. But I don't know if she looked and said, you know, I ain't even worthy to have that Messiah. And it is that God does take the humble and exalt them today. I imagine in heaven's world when the Messiah came in, we like to think about that day when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, went and set the captives free. We like to rejoice in those things that, that he is now here and he set the captives free and this is one of who I was looking for. And I don't know if on that side of paradise, I don't know if that side of, of death, if Jesus walked into there and he walked up to Ruth, she fell at his feet, the Messiah and I don't know if he said, hey, Momo. Tonight, we ought to be marveled at what God's done in us and for us. But the greatest of our testimony is yet to come. Not only what he's done for us and what he's done in us, but what he's doing through us. Now, don't grow weary in well-doing tonight. God's doing a whole lot more than what you'd ever imagine. We thought, she thought it might have been the end right there with that marriage, with that boy. Everything she had ever wanted, she, she'd gotten. But, but there was so much more God was doing through it. I told you last night, I want to set a standard for my family. I want my children to know what it's like to have a godly daddy and a preaching daddy. I want them to understand that he was a gospel preacher who loved the Lord, cared for sinners. But if I grow weary and well-doing and I quit laboring in the field and I quit loving my Lord, I don't know what the Lord will do through me. But I know if I stay faithful, there's no telling what God in the ages to come. Listen, some of my favorite preachers are dead and gone on. Mays Jackson, Billy Kelly, Buster Seaton, I love those preachers. Ed Ballou. I love listening to them testify about those prayer times that they just go out in a field somewhere and lose every bit of formality and lay out in the field and pray and rejoice and preach to one another. Back in, I love those testimonies. And what God did through all the men at that time was wonderful, but he's still doing things through their testimony in my life today. We can be excited about what God's done for us. But there's really no telling what the Lord's going to do through us. I'm just a vessel. If Ruth could sing anything tonight, I think she'd sing, There is an unseen hand to me. It leads through ways I cannot see. I believe she'd sing, I'm trusting to the unseen hand. And if I could sing, listen to me. If I was at a different church and didn't have a lot of singers, I'd try to, but I ain't trying to do that. I'm telling you, y'all sound as good as I do in the shower singing. Tonight we just sort of trust his unseen hand. You say, well, I don't know what the Lord's doing in my life. I have no clue. Some of our senior saints in here tonight, y'all wondering, curious. 
had some in our church, they say, well, I'm just too old for God to use. Oh, no, friend. You never get too old. There's no telling what God's doing through you. Impacting somebody younger. As an old, old man in our church when I was growing up, Brother Buddy Spears, had an auction tank, he'd carry it from the little old back corner of the church building. We didn't have about 15 people in church. And he'd walk up to the front of the building. He'd have a special to sing. And he'd sing that old song, The Dearest Friend I Ever Had. He'd say, he makes me glad when I'm sad. He's the dearest friend. I, and it, God still working through him, ministering to me, reminiscing about those times. Let's stand tonight. Who can tell what the Lord's going to do? I don't know if Ruth ever had any inclination that the Messiah was coming through her womb. And listen to me, our missionaries in here tonight, our preachers in here tonight, are just regular old, what I like to call just regular folks who's, who have a good head on their shoulders because you've got to be a little crazy to be a preacher, amen? I mean, you get one phone call, somebody's just getting married, they got a new baby, next one somebody's died, next one somebody's, you know, getting divorced, next one you know somebody got saved. You've you got a roller coaster of emotions, so don't get somebody when preachers are crazy. Amen? There's no telling what the Lord's doing through your ministry. No telling what He's doing through your ministry. And we ought to be able to rejoice tonight because what He has done, we ought to worship on credit tonight of what He will do. What He will do. The testimony that lingers. Maybe some of you is getting weary and well-doing. You want to crawl up in the altar and say, God, help me to labor in my field. Maybe some of you young people in here, you never left Moab, one of you adults, you've never been saved. You need to leave Moab. You can't never have a testimony of living or loving if you never leave. You need to get saved tonight. God will save you. He loves you. He cares for you. Won't we do business with the Lord, Brother Gary?
Is wound. 